Hi there, and welcome to Explode View. I'm Craig Mackowitz. As I sit here recording from my home near Boston, Massachusetts, the sun is coming up with a slight haze. Surprisingly, that haze is actually the smoke being carried by the jet stream all the way from the forest fires on the west coast of the United States to the east coast. For those not in the U.S., it's the distance from the coast of Portugal to the middle of Turkey, or from the northern edge of India to South Korea. It's hard to fathom and a reminder of how connected we all are. So in light of this, we're going to be having our first chat about sustainability. This will likely be the first of many for ExplodeView, and I'm so happy to be joined by our guest, Emily Campbell, Category Manager of Equipment at Marmot, the outdoor apparel and equipment company. Emily has spent her career in the outdoor industry, having also spent time at REI and Camelback. Marmot has made a point to introduce sustainability as not just a key component of their product lines, but also the core vision of the company. So for our ExplodeView topic today, we thought it'd be great to discuss sustainability in the outdoor market, but with the larger goal of understanding how design can play a key role in moving the needle forward when it comes to sustainability in the companies we work for. We will also learn methods for working with our partners to help introduce sustainable products into our product pipelines. Emily, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. First of all, you're in California and it's one of the areas that was hit pretty hard in the fires. So I just want to ask you how you guys are doing out there. Uh, things seem to be getting a little bit better. Uh, it's, it's a little bit cooler, at least the hot, the heat wave is done and the winds have died down. Um, so the air is a little bit clearer. So it's, it's, yeah, it's rough when you can't go outside at all because that's kind of all we have these days. Um, so at least the air is cleared enough to get outside a little bit. Oh, that's good. So I'm curious a little bit about your background and how you first got into the outdoor industry because I saw that you had worked for REI and for a Camelback and now you're into Marmot. And so I'm wondering how you got into the outdoor industry in the first place. Could you give us a little bit of a background? Sure. Um, uh, well, I have a degree in industrial engineering. And when I first graduated from college, I got a job in the high tech industry. Um, which was fine. I was I was using my degree, um, but then the dot com bubble burst, and I ended up getting laid off. Um, and oh no, I know I had the first job out of college. It was uh, it was rough, a good learning experience though. Um, but right. I just happened upon a job in the industry with Camelback and was able to use some of the things that I had learned in my first job um, to get a, a job there. And, um, yeah, once I, once I was in the outdoor industry, I decided this, that was the place I wanted to stay. So do you love the outdoors? Would you consider that to be a, a hobby of yours? Yes, definitely. It's definitely, uh, uh, my garage is full of, of outdoor things. Um, yeah, anything. And that's definitely what we do as a family a lot. So, so I, rem- I remember when I was younger, I went camping and a bear, actually a couple of cubs enter our campsite in the middle of the night. And it was really scary in the moment. Now I can laugh about it, but it was definitely a crazy experience. We actually had somebody from another campsite came over honking their ha- horns and uh, scared them away. But it, it was a very memorable experience for me. And I was wondering if you have any uh, memorable camping experiences yourself that you can share. Um, yeah, there's so many. And uh and especially with the kids, lots of, of fun, fun times, especially introducing them to camping. So I remember when my son, who's my younger child, his first experience camping, he had just, 
he had just learned to walk. So there was a lot of falling still. Um, and I just, I had just never, never experienced my child getting that dirty. It was just caked on dirt and mud everywhere. <laughs> and he just, um, he just, it was just a, a losing battle. I think we have some pretty funny pictures of just just face covered in in dirt. Um, but it was also uh, it was also kind of inspirational, and and um, in that I realized there were a lot of of uh, potential products miss that that could help out families camping. Um, oh, yeah. And so I I went home and because he wouldn't leave the, the campfire circle alone, even though we didn't even have we didn't have a fire and it was cold, but he couldn't stop touching it. And of course it was filthy with the with uh, ashes and soot. Um, so I went home and I um, took some ec- extra fabric, um, backpack fabric I had and sewed up a little, um, it was like a shower cap for the fire ring. And so we used hmm. to take that with us. And it was all about like, if you couldn't see it, then he didn't, he didn't pay any attention to it. It was like covered and he would leave it alone. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's really smart. I like that. So we're here to talk about sustainability today. And I think this is an exciting topic and one that Marmot has taken many steps towards um, really, really becoming a more sustainable company. And so I'm excited to chat with you about that. But first, do you mind introducing people to the Marmot brand for anybody who might be new to it? Sure. Uh, Marmot started in 1974 in Santa Cruz by a group of college students there who originally started it as a social climbing club. And they eventually made products and their first products were down sleeping bags. Uh, so we've grown from there, um, making mostly rain jackets, insulated jackets, um, sportswear and uh, equipment like tents, sleeping bags and backpacks, which is the area that I work on. Yeah, marvin has got a pretty cool history. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think as designers, we're all really interested in sustainability and it's primarily the audience that's listening in are industrial designers. And we can all, I think, appreciate all the, you know, these companies that are taking steps towards sustainability and making efforts to make their products sustainable in some fashion or one way or another. I think understanding how we can help as designers steer brands that we work for towards sustainability is really important. And I want to talk a bit about how Marmot is implementing sustainability into your product lines. Can you talk a bit about that? Right. So... Currently, our most of our efforts for sustainability are focused on material selection. So it's choosing recycled fabrics or PFC-free fabrics, Lucine certified or um, fabrics that are bio-based. Um, so there's lots of w- different ways you can slice sustainability, um, but that's definitely where Marmot has, has chosen to focus first. And what are the steps you, you talk about material integration? What are the what are the steps when you are looking at new materials and integrating them into your product lines? How does that come about? What's the process? I mean, you know, it all starts from the the top. Essentially, we have you know, as an organization, have have decided that sustainability is important to us and that it needs to be part of every product. So it starts. From the from the beginning of, of what is this product going to be or what what is this update, um, and then it's really looking at all the ways that we can incorporate it into the the product. And and since primarily we're making apparel and and cotton, so it's looking at the the materials. So looking at what's available out there, um, what is what is the cost, and also for us, it's what's 
what's out there, but what's going to adhere to our performance standards. Right. And, and do you see a lot of materials now entering the market that you guys can use on your products that are sustainable and meet you know, those standards that you're looking for, or are those still harder to come by and slower to hit the market? No, there's, there's a lot out there. Um, a lot more than even just a few years ago. Um, it's, it's becoming almost the standard to have things like, uh, recycled fabrics, um, in your products. So there's a lot of options and then there's a lot of, of new, cutting technology that, that we're exploring. Um, you know, there's, Mm -hmm that it might be using algae in foam or something like that. Um, that is still so new that we're still trying to figure out if it will perform for us. Um, but yeah, there's lots of, there's a lot of choices out there. So do you see the market really looking for more sustainable products in a company's product lineup or do you see it as just the Marmot goals that you're trying to create a more sustainable brand or do you see it coming from uh, both sides? So they, you know, both sides driving the effort, both the consumer and Marmot themselves. Right. I think, I think it comes from both. It, it, it comes just from looking at our, our market and the, the, the business opportunity. Um, but it is also part of our industry as a whole and the culture of the outdoor industry and definitely the culture at Marmot. I think all of our leadership believes in it as well. Um, but it's definitely, um, it's, it's a part of the outdoor industry already. And so it, it has now become, um, table stakes, right? It's, it's become the kind of baseline and it's, it's becoming expected, um, for every product. Yeah. I think, I think it's exciting to hear because I think it's so important. And if there are more companies now that are entering that space, we all know it can be really challenging to integrate new materials and, um, you know, they have to be tested properly and meet specs and there's a whole a litany of, of challenges. So for a company that might be new to the space, it'd be interesting to hear the story of how you guys overcame those challenges. So, so what would be what would be the steps that you would suggest a brand start if they're trying to make a path towards sustainability? What would you, what would you recommend they do? I think step one is taking stock of, of where you're at today and trying to quantify that um, because that way you can you can track any change that you make and and really be able to show uh, over time that you're making progress um, but a lot of it is figuring out what what your goal is is it is it to become carbon neutral or to use less hazardous materials um, and you know some of that's de- some of that is just dependent on what kind of product you make but yeah. Um, there's so many ways to be more sustainable. Um, is it is it supply chain? Is it logistics? Is it packaging? Um, so really, I think you have to to make that goal of of what you want first, and then it becomes easier to to figure out how to to hit that target. Yeah, I like that what you're saying about taking stock of where you're at now, because I think some small steps that a company is taking might get could get overlooked because, you know, they aren't the giant leaps that we're all hoping for. One of the things I've heard a lot is progress, not perfection. And I think that we can sometimes get overwhelmed with the the perfection of being completely 100% sustainable right? instead of making, you know, those progressive steps that are at least, at least, at least point the ship in the right direction. So yeah, I really, I really like what you're saying. Yeah. A lot of people can get kind of frozen and and won't make a change because it's not, it's not 100% sustainable or it's not perfect. Um, 
but yeah, some baby steps is often can get you towards your goal and better than, better than doing nothing. Yeah. And how do you pitch that internally too? Because I think there could be a lot of pushback moving towards, you know, more expensive materials or, uh, you know, a, a longer lead time process, for instance, that might be more sustainable. So how do you get that sold in internally? And do you have any recommendations for how you can move a company towards sustainability that is more you know, digestible by all the groups that are responsible for creating products? Again, I think it, it, it comes down to a lot of, um, of a creative way to look at sustainability and to, um, if it truly is the fear pinned in, if, if that's the, if, if you can't make any other material choice and you're stuck with that, it's, it's looking at the, the product or the process in, in all different ways. So, you know, maybe it is simplifying your design or reducing the number of parts or, you know, reducing the, the complexity of your, um, supply chain. So it's, it's, maybe not looking at it from just one angle, but trying to look at sustainability from lots of different angles and seeing where you can make an impact. So, so what you, what do you think are the biggest challenges that Marmot has faced when you're looking to integrate those sustainable projects into your pipeline? One of the, the biggest challenges is, uh, is cost is for the most part, these more sustainable materials are more expensive. So trying to figure out if, if, we can charge more for this, or if we need to hold pricing, then then what else needs to change about the product in order to incorporate these more sustainable materials? Um, and then also figuring out which things to change are more meaningful, which is always tricky. And you can switch to a, a fabric that uses less water in its production, but then it has a maybe a nastier um, waterproofing chemical on it or versus maybe something that uses more water, but then a less toxic waterproofing chemical. So which is better and which is worse. So, um, and there's no cut and dry answers. And so it's figuring out what is, what is best for our customer, what is best for our business. And then also figuring out how to explain this to the, the customer. I think people, most consumers know, easily understand, say, a recycled material and understand that that's good. But some of these other um, other choices that we're making are totally invisible to the customer or not as easy to understand. So it's making these choices that um, we feel like is relevant for us and also relevant for the consumer. So those three items, price, uh, having meaningful change built into the product and then communicating that change. Uh, how do you guys overcome some of those challenges faced when, you know, you're trying to use products that are a little more expensive and building, building in that meaningful change into a product and then communicating that change? What are some of those ways that you guys overcome those challenges? I think it's, it's all about creative solutions. It's if, if the cost of material needs to raise and we can't raise the price, then what else can we simplify? Can we simplify the construction um, in order to reduce some labor costs and balance it out that way? Um, so it's, it's, it's just all about figuring out um, creative solutions. So I know choosing materials can be pretty challenging too. So what, what are the criteria that you guys use in order to select these sustainable materials? So when choosing materials, we have some performance standards that um, that are kind of a hard stop. So we know that 
that even if it's sustainable, it still has to meet those performance standards. So it, it's in a way, it makes it easy because we don't, we know that we can't compromise on certain things. So um, ultimately, it's necessary to have a product that performs, um, especially in the kind of conditions that people use our products in. So that that definitely still has to be first priority. Yeah. So you guys have set criteria that you define, and then the performance is going to be yeah. the number one most yeah. important thing. Correct. Right. So we we have a sleeping bag that we like to say is 96% recycled. So it uses recycled um, fabrics on the outside, on the inside, the synthetic uh, insulation is recycled. Um, and we did everything except for at the time when we developed it, the recycled zippers were really low quality. So while we wanted to bring this 100% recycled bag to the market, we just we weren't willing to sacrifice um, quality and performance um, just to say it was recycled. So we like to say 96% recycled. Yeah, that's a that's a great point in communicating those changes to a consumer and making it in a way that's understandable too, because you know, a lot of those or a lot of these materials, as you point out, there's some really unique benefits that might be hard to communicate and you have to kind of, you know, they have to understand it quickly. So especially in that retail environment or online, how, how do you get them to see those benefits right off the bat? It's, it's tricky. I think it's a combination of, of using our website and social media to 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 convey those those changes and and what we're doing and it's it's much more about conveying that message on a brand level instead of conveying it on an individual product level. Yeah, and then I, I think it's interesting because I saw that you guys included an environmental report card on a lot of your products. And I think that's a a really unique way of satisfying the communication piece. Can you talk a little bit about you know those report cards you have on your products? Right. So there's a, a lot of effort in the outdoor industry to come up with a kind of standard report card that would be consumer facing. And for a few years, it looked really promising. And I think we were ready to, to jump on board. And this, this report card would be a way for consumers to be able to compare uh, amongst brands the level of sustainability and make it easy to understand. Um, but unfortunately, that that got delayed. So we got a little impatient and we decided to make our own. And um, I think it was a great move, even though, again, like we were saying, it's not, it's not per, it's not a perfect solution. And we had to come up with our own way to measure. Um, but it really gives the consumer a, a good comparison um, and a good indication of how sustainable a product is. So we have three different uh, levels. We have good, better, best. And um, and we had to come up with our own definition of what is good and what is better and what is best. But it, it, it's at least a start. At least it, it shows uh, the consumer that we are committed and that we re- that we recognize that there is there is some products are more sustainable than others and that we're we're working towards. And it also helps to give us a a great um, way to measure that you know a certain percentage of our products are good, better, best today, and we have goals to get a certain number. Um, of best, you know, in the best category in the future. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very clear, very, very clear and concise way to communicate some of those changes. How has the reception been with the consumer base in response to those sustainability measures? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't think it's actually, it's just barely on the market. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I think that, um, 
the consumers, we, as we know more, consumers more and more these days are choosing products and choosing to buy from companies that, uh, that align with their values. And so, uh, we know that younger consumers and millennials, uh, value sustainability and they value companies that, um, are making an effort towards this. So, so all of this has been a, a positive risk. All, you know, all of our efforts for sustainability are positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and do you, do you think there are ways that we might be changing the way we communicate those sustainability measures to the consumer base? Like, you know, we see a lot of advertising that is really promoting a company's sustainability. So how has that messaging changed? Right. I think over time, um, consumers are are looking for more details and they're not just accepting that something is environmentally friendly. They're getting a lot more savvy about what is sustainable. So they want they want to know more details about what is it that you're doing, and and so you need to provide more information. So you're saying that the expectations have definitely changed. Yes, and I think that's a challenge for companies to overcome because it's a new space and there's a lot of demand with you know a change towards e-commerce away from retail, and some of that stuff is more challenging to adapt to the online space. So how have you guys handled that? Yes, you know, on no surprise that everyone is moving uh, more and more online. Um, so it's it's a definite focus for us. Um, there will always be a need for some brick and mortar, but w- we definitely believe over time that more and more people will be purchasing online. So it's um, it's even you know influencing product design choices. So it's, it's, yeah, it's how could, if something isn't going to show well online, if you can't, if you can't see that, if you're choosing a fabric for a specific texture, but you know, that texture won't show up well when it's, when it's photographed or in a detail shot, then it's another thing to consider. So everything about, about selling online from sustainability to product design is, is, is thought of. How do you think designers can help with that conversation and aid the development of sustainable products? You know, is it helpful for us to come forward with materials, you know, we think might work or, you know, I'm trying to understand the best way for designers to help. Yeah. I I love it when designers bring new materials or new ideas. Um, I always like to think of of design uh, versus my role as a category manager is kind of a, a push and pull. Um, and so the designers, you know, can, can push on me to, um, whether it's the design function or the design materials, um, you know, and then I balance that out with, with, you know, what the cost can be and what the market can bear, can bear. But I think that, uh, that designers have a lot of influence in, in, uh, in the design itself or bringing new materials or bringing new ideas or a different way to look at it than, than I was looking at it. I mean, ultimately that, that comes out with a a better, more sustainable product when that designer, um, you know, pushes or nudges or brings new things to the table. Yeah. I had the pleasure to work with you guys and you and the team are incredible to work with. And each one of you really knows the category very well. And I'm wondering if there's something is there something that we can glean from all these disciplines working together, especially as we consider building sustainable products? Because there are challenges that we're going to be facing, you know, introducing new materials and, and, and new processes into the system. So do you have any recommendations for how we can all work together? I think 
like I mentioned, it's, it's when it's coming from the sustainability effort is coming from above and everyone is, is kind of bought into that. So before we even start uh, designing a product or before I write the design brief, we're already working with marketing to talk about uh, what the story is going to be of this product and how we'll bring it to life. Um, and so then even starting from that that design brief, it's incorporated. And I'm working really closely with design and development and materials. And so it's everyone's focus and everyone has a voice in this process. Um, and so ultimately, that ends up with a, a much better product because we've all been given this voice and and been invited to take part in, in making the product more sustainable. Yeah, that's exciting. It's something we can all celebrate together at the end, which is, you know, likely plays a big role in everyone working together for that common goal. Yeah. So I always like to ask about the future of the topic we're talking about in here being sustainability. So what do you think is the future of sustainability in Marmot's product lines? Yes, it's the, it's the, the notion of, of a circular design. So really looking at the entire life, um, using those recycled or renewable materials um, from the beginning and at, you know, at the end of the life of that product, how can it be um, reused or recycled and, and used again? Um, so it's, it's definitely broadening that definition of sustainability and, and expanding beyond just, just looking at materials. So. Do you have any other recommendations for anyone building sustainability into their product lines? Oh, I guess like we talked about before is that, um, that even though you don't have the perfect solution, um, is, is just to start somewhere and, um, to try and to, to not to slide back. Um, so just keep moving forward with your sustainability efforts, even if they seem small and, you know, eventually, eventually you'll get to where you, you want to go. Yeah, it's a, it's a great vision and, and hopefully it's one that we can take back to our jobs and our work and, and try our best to integrate that sustainability in our product line. So I really appreciate your insight today. Thank you so much, Emily, for taking the time with us and sharing your, your expertise and your experiences. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed this chat with Emily Campbell. It was interesting to learn how Marmot is working hard to develop eco-friendly products in their portfolio. These efforts aren't easy, and I believe strongly in the progress, not perfection motto. The reality is, we just don't have time to spare, so every change towards building eco-friendly products into your pipeline is a step in the right direction. But I don't think we should limit our efforts around sustainability to the manufacturers we work for. How can we be more eco-friendly as freelancers, through the paper we use to sketch or switching to LED lights at our desks? How can design firms be more eco-friendly by purchasing energy from renewable resources? putting sensors on lights, or eliminating paper plates and plastic forks from the office kitchen. This conversation has led me to offset the production of this podcast by purchasing a thousand pounds of carbon offset credits. This is way more energy than it takes to produce, but each credit goes towards supporting environmentally friendly projects around the country. Change begins in our own backyards, and steps taken there will trickle further into the work we do. I'd love to hear how your company or freelance work has taken steps to be more eco-friendly, so DM me on Instagram at Podcast and tell me more. Let's spread these ideas so more people can take advantage. As a quick disclaimer, the views expressed by Emily Campbell are those of her own and not of Marmot or Newell. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe. See you next time on Explode of You.